I, I want to tell you something. Any problem that you're facing today, any challenge that you're facing today has been dealt already on the cross. Any problem. Believe it. Any problem. It could be health. It could be relationships. It could be mental, emotional. Any problem, challenge that you're facing has been dealt on the cross. Amen? So when Jesus said it is finished, he perfectly completed all the work. It's perfectly finished. It's perfectly finished. Can you add anything more to the perfect finished work of Jesus? Can you do anything to add to the finished work of Jesus? Can you and me do anything? Can we, can we even pray an hour more to add to what Jesus has perfectly finished? Can we fast? How much money can you put in the offering box to add more to the finished work of Jesus? It is finished. It is finished. It is done. See, we are not believing in a God who is going to do something. We are believing in a God who has done it. He has done it. Your problems, your challenges has already been dealt on the cross. It has, it's complete. It's over. Faith is not something to believe for what God is going to do. Faith is to believe what God has already done. I'm not believing God so that he will pour out finances. I'm believing God because he has already poured out finances. I'm not believing God so that I will get the promotion. I'm believing God because he has already released the promotion. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to change the paradigm of your thinking from, oh, if I believe God is going to do this. No. It's not because you believe God is going to do this. He has done it. That's why you believe. It's not because of our belief. Oh, God sees. Oh, wow. What faith. Let me do something about it. Let me give him a bonus. No. He has already done it. And that's why we believe. Faith is a response of knowing what God has already done. Faith is a response. Faith does not initiate. Faith is a response. Now, how many times we've heard this again and again, again and again, but still, still we go through these, you know, these seasons and these times of feelings oppressed and striving on our knees and praying to God, oh God, will you give me the promotion? Oh God, will you get me married? Oh God, will you do this for my life? It is already done. It's already done. You have to believe. I, I, was, I was releasing a prophetic word for somebody and I said, you have to believe that more than you wanting this, God has already released it for you and God wants you to have it. God wants you to get married. You're unmarried. God wants you to get married. 
because he his thoughts are pure his intentions for your life is good his plan for your life is peace and prosperity his will for your life is good pleasing and perfect god wants you to be blessed if marriage is what's going to cause your blessing then get married he wants you to get married he wants you to have that promotion he wants you to have every blessing that will keep you joyful that will keep you grounded it is god's heart it is god's heart for you to be blessed not that oh lord i want to be blessed i don't know if you want me to be blessed but you're trying to twist god's arm through a prayer through a reading the bible through going to church i i hope he sees me i sang an extra song today woke up at 5 no my friends god is good he is always good Amen. all these things that we do you know we do worship we do praise we read the bible all these things we do is not to change god's heart for us his heart for us is already good it is already perfect all that we do is so that we can align ourselves to the heart of god oh just lord i just want to see i just want to see what do you think about me i just want to hear what do you think about me i just want to know that your thoughts for me are pure your thoughts for me are good and that's why we do this because we are somewhere not aligned his thoughts are good amen so i want you to understand this this whole thing that we do you know coming to church and you know being being faithful in the little things is not to twist god's arm oh god bless me bless me bless me and god is like okay 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 i'll bless you i'll bless you just stop doing this amen believe that god wants to bless you believe that god wants to bless you it is finished my friends it is finished your struggle is finished your sickness is finished your challenge is finished amen amen you know when i was when i was in 12th i loved mathematics and uh, have you heard of calculus it's it's a particular topic i loved the challenge of it sometimes i would just stare long enough wouldn't be able to solve it sleep in the night by morning i have the answer somewhere i learned that if you have to solve a mathematical problem you have to believe that you already had the solution you have to believe that you already have the solution and the solution would come to you and i want to say if you want to be blessed you have to believe that god has already blessed you you have to believe that god has already blessed you it is god's heart for you to be blessed i'm telling you there is nothing in heaven or hell that is stopping your blessing if there's somebody who's stopping your blessing say your name <laughs> who is stopping my blessing sam is stopping sam's blessing there's there is no power in heaven or hell that can stop god's blessing over your life yeah. no power god's heart is for you to be blessed amen amen, amen. amen. i i got this fresh 
I got this fresh while Alvin was leading the communion. And I believe it aligns with the songs that we sang today. It is finished. It is done. So turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Verse 28. John chapter 19. Verse 28. Everybody who is asleep say hallelujah. Wow. Interesting. I was hoping Franklin would say, but good. Okay, John chapter 19, verse 28. Are you with me, guys? Okay, let's read this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I want you to think of the scene where Jesus is on the cross. And the Bible says, verse 28, that he knew that it is finished. Knowing that now... All things have been finished. So Jesus on the cross, he knows for the purpose that he came on the cross, it is done. It is completed. It is finished. So if it was done, if it is completed, why not just say it is finished and get done with it? But he specifically, because he knows all things is done, it is finished. He says, I thirst. When you listen very carefully, guys. Jesus did not say, I thirst, because he was thirsty. Jesus said, I thirst, because he is fulfilling a scripture. He's fulfilling something. What is he fulfilling? What happens when he says, I thirst? What do the soldiers do? They take a sour wine. Sour wine. It's not a sweet wine. Sour wine. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it to his mouth. Now verse 30 says, when Jesus has received, had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. There was something about Jesus drinking that sour wine. There's a prophetic declaration that Jesus is doing. By declaring the sour wine. Can I tell you something? There's nothing that Jesus does unintentionally. Everything that Jesus does is very intentional. Everything that Jesus has done in your life is very intentional. Every friends that you have met, every circumstances that you've gone through, I'm telling you, even the bad things that you've gone through, bad seasons you've gone through, it is not him who has taken you through that, but he can intentionally turn it for your good. Over here, Jesus, knowing that all things are finished, he does the sign of partaking from a sour wine. Why does he do that? For you to understand this, you have to read the scripture portion about the Last Supper. In the Last Supper, turn with me to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. 
verse 26. Matthew 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So what did Jesus do? He took a piece of bread, broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, eat, eat. Why? Because this is my body. Then he takes the cup and he gives it. He tells them, this is the blood of my covenant. You know, the importance of what Jesus did on the Lost Supper was not just food and drink. It was he started a new covenant. He instituted a new covenant. The bread symbolizes the body of Jesus. The drink symbolizes the blood of Jesus. And when they partook from it, it was a beginning of a new covenant. What is a new covenant? What is a covenant, in fact? A covenant is a relationship. It's a relationship based on, based on promises. A relationship based on promises. And to ensure a relationship based on promises, they would, uh, they would you know, slice their fingers or they would slice their hands because they want to say that blood is thicker than water. Do you know what it means, blood is thicker than water? I, I did not know what it meant, okay? I had to research this. When you were born, you were born in the mother's womb. When you came out, you came out of a water bag. That is known as the strongest bond between humans, right? The mother and the son. Or the mother and the child. Because the child is born literally out of a water bag that comes from the, uh, from the mother. And it is a water bag that protects the child inside the mother. And provides nutrition and nourishment and all of it. Everything that the mother feeds goes through the water bag to the child. So when, when you read the phrase, blood is thicker than water, it means this covenant that I have with you, we're no long, we are not related, but I make this covenant intentionally to say that blood is thicker than water. So if I, if me and Alvin have a covenant, and, and for some reason I do not, I, I betray this relationship, then let this blood be upon me. I die. So a covenant is a relation, is, is a relationship that is built on promises. And if anybody breaks that oath, that oath of the covenant, the person has to die. That's why you, you do the blood as a, as a security of that covenant. So they would cut their hands. Each person would cut their hands and they would shake hands. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Or, you know, I've seen it in movies, you know, they would spit. Spit covenant.
He didn't shake my hands. Uh, that was a blessed spit. Amen. Are you with me, guys? Hmm. Okay. So, Jesus is starting a new covenant with his disciples. This is my bread. This is my blood. This is my, this is my blood of the new covenant. Your covenant has been renewed. A new covenant signifies there was an old covenant. That old covenant is obsolete, it's taken care of, it's gone. Now I am having a new covenant with you. So Jesus starts a new covenant. A new covenant means new promises. So better promises. A better oath. Right? Now, read with me John chapter 6 verse 56. John chapter 6 verse 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Whoever partakes from this covenant becomes one with God. In fact, becomes one with Jesus. Is that right? Is that what Jesus said? Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. What that means? I in you, me, I in you and you in me. It means oneness, union, relationship. See, this kind of language you only use for husband and wife. The husband and wife shall become one flesh. Two shall become one. That kind of intimacy is what Jesus talks about with you and me. He says, if you partake from this bread and you partake from this drink, you become one. In fact, when Jesus was doing, instituting the new covenant at the Last Supper, in a way, he was getting married. He was including them into his reality. So that we could partake of his reality. How did Adam sin in the garden? By eating. The moment he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he got separated. Jesus is redeeming that. He says, if you eat from this, you will become one with me. Have you noticed that Jesus did not start the new covenant after the cross? Why did he not do the new covenant after the cross? It is because when we got united with Jesus before the cross, he who knew no sin could become sin for us so that we who knew no righteousness could become righteousness. So it was important for Jesus to become one with his church that time. So he, 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 he took them upon himself. Ah, you are united with me so that whatever you need to go through, let me go through. So that what I have will become yours. That's why Jesus did the Last Supper before the cross. Show you something. Matthew 26 verse 29. 
Let's read from 28. He says, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the wine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I've always read that and I've never understood what Jesus meant. Jesus is saying, I'm drinking this with you. I'm starting a new covenant. Now, the next time when I drink, I will drink on that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then when Jesus knows that all is finished, he says, I thirst and he drinks of the sour wine. Why? It is finished. He's drinking new. He's drinking new with you in the Father's kingdom. Where were you? You were with Jesus because you have become one with him in the new covenant. You were with him, with Jesus. He took you with him on the cross. That's why Galatians 2.20 says, For we were crucified with him. Huh? And then when the soldier came and pierced his side, water and blood came out just like Adam was put to sleep and God created Eve out of his side, just like that, you and me came out of his side. God created the body of Jesus fresh out of the water and blood. Amen. That's why communion is so powerful. It's so powerful because we are remembering him and we are declaring the Lord's death again and again, again and again. Why are we declaring the Lord's death? Because we are saying, the sin that is upon my life, that should have been upon my life, the Lord's death has taken care of it. The sickness that is upon me, the Lord's death has taken care of it. The mental oppression that I am going through right now, the Lord's death has taken care of it. So it is illegal for me to be sick. It is illegal for me to have mental oppression. It is illegal for me to be poor. It is illegal for me to live a cursed life. It is finished. It is done. It is finished. It is done. It is finished. It is done. And I want, you, I want you to think this not as a doctrine, but think of it as your reality. That any problem that you are facing is finished. Any problem. Let's do an exercise. What is the problem that you are facing? Everybody is facing their own problems. Think of that problem and see that problem being finished in the body of Jesus on the cross. See, see, see Jesus taking that problem upon himself. What is that problem? Whatever is that problem. It could be financial, it could be relationship. Again, guys, I'm telling you, it could be health, it could be emotional, mental, any problem that you're facing. Take a moment to see that problem upon Jesus. That problem is upon Jesus. Jesus has taken that problem upon himself. And now he says, it is finished.
I have paid the price. I have paid the price. Amen. Yeah, meaning that's it. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you can believe this, if you can really believe that what Jesus has done on the cross is finished and done, my goodness, the kind of life that we can live, the kind of, in the kind of freedom that we can live, it is finished. Amen? So, yeah, my sermon is over, but because we have time, I'm going to stretch it. I want you to read Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to read verse 9 with it. It says, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. So if you combine the two verses, it talks about being justified. You and me are justified by his blood. We are justified by the blood of Jesus. We are no longer condemned. What's the meaning of justification? Justification is somebody who is accused, who is caught, and who is going through the trial in the court, and the judge takes all the evidence that is against him and that is for him, and then finally declares he is not guilty. He is justified. So justified, the word justified or the word justification is a legal term. Legal term that says that you are no longer guilty. You were charged with this treason. You were charged with these crimes. But you are no longer guilty. Now God the Father... He says you are justified because every charge that the accuser brought against you, Jesus says, I have paid it all. It's finished. It's finished. It's taken care of. You know, when I was young, being born and brought up in a Christian family whose parents were pastors, I didn't want to take baptism for a long time. The reason why I didn't want to take baptism is because I, I, knew, I knew me. I know myself. I know my weaknesses. I, I was like, God, how can I take baptism and live such a pathetic life? I didn't trust me. In fact... Even after I accepted Jesus, you know, I was a good boy for the first two days. I accepted Jesus when I was, I think, 12 years old. I was good for two days. Third day, again. So I'm, I'm going through a season of a high and a low. Today I'm good. Today my relationship with God is good. It's great. It's amazing. Oh, I believe in Jesus. But then next day I'm like... You know, I'm thinking all the 
things a teenager can think of you don't want to know uh, it's nasty it's raw and so i had no confidence in myself i was like i don't know how these people do it i would look at my parents and be like man i don't know how they do it how they are like constantly on fire for jesus and oh man they serve god with such faithfulness i i can't do it i don't trust myself i have so many weaknesses so i never got baptized for the longest period of time and even when i got baptized my whole struggle was to live a holy life because i don't want to miss it i don't want to you know i don't want to mess this up jesus has done such an expensive sacrifice to save me from sin how can i sin i don't want to sin i don't want to i don't want to mess this up but the thinking was that if i sin if i mess it up i'll have to redeem myself by praying and fasting or doing something so every time i would sin i would i would be like on my knees and i would cry and i would repent and i would be remorseful and i'm i'm not saying that's all bad because i had some very powerful times with the lord feeling so guilty and feeling so ashamed taking all my confidence away why because i was insecure of my relationship with god i had no security why did i have no security because i was trusting myself i know who i am i know i have weaknesses i know just one thing can flip my mind to think otherwise and to go in a whole new tangent and then after one hour of whole new tangent i realize oh what am i doing come back and then be like repent repent remorse you know i i was in ministry in 2010 i got into ministry i was volunteering with a youth fellowship and and a youth leadership and i was going through the struggle day in and day out and you know for me the struggle was oh man sunday is coming near i better sort my life out right i don't know if you know what i mean sunday these young people are going to come to me i need to encourage them how on earth can i do that when my own life is so pathetic right struggling with shame struggling with guilt struggling with fear struggling with condemnation one thing that really redeemed me was this once the lord asked me sam how would you rate our relationship if you had to give some score out of 10 how would you rate that relationship and i said don't want to answer that i already had a number in my mind but i want to be humble so i lowered the number have you been there yeah so i said yeah maybe 6 maybe 5 but i was thinking 7 yeah you know we give scores in a relationship with god maybe it's just me okay you guys don't do it yeah so what i heard the lord was sam i give our relationship 
full marks. 10 out of 10. Because this relationship is not sustained by what you do. It is sustained by what I have done on the cross. That answer changed the paradigm of my thinking completely. Completely. Completely to a point that I did fall. The next day I fell. But I could stand up confidently because my confidence is not on me. My confidence is in what Jesus has done. Okay? Like my life was like going up and going down, going up and going down. But from being down to getting up was difficult because I was feeling ashamed. I was feeling fearful, feeling guilty, condemned. And I would just, you know, do self-pity. Oh, Lord, I'm so bad. How could I even do this? How could I even think like this? I would, I would just roll in the filth. And sometimes, you know, when I was sinning, I was like, anyways, I have sinned. Let me just sin a couple more days more. Let me sin till Saturday. You know, Saturday morning I'll repent. But when this paradigm shift happened in my mind, that this relationship with God is not based on me. It's not based on what I can do for Jesus. It is based on what Jesus has done for me. And what Jesus has done for me is finished. It is done. It's perfect. It's taken care of. Hmm? What did I do? What that did is, every time I would fall, I would put my eyes on Jesus and I would get up. Then when I fall again, put my eyes on Jesus, get up. Then I fall again, put my eyes on Jesus, get up. Why? Because it's not about me. It's not about me. I can go to the throne room of God not because of me. Not because how good I am. I, couldn't get, I can go because of the guarantee that Jesus gives me. There's a guarantee that Jesus gives you from the cross. That it's finished. You don't have to. You don't have to stay away from the Father. Now, I'm not saying that you keep sinning, okay? I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to say, if you have fallen down, the only confidence for you to get back on your feet is what Jesus has done on the cross. That's the only confidence. If you, if you just sit there and loathe in your sin, oh man, how dirty I am. Oh, how did this ever happen? You just keep loathing. It's not going to help you. Have you seen a pig? A pig will roll in the filth again and again. Why? Because it's in the nature of the pig. But if you see a human being who by mistake falls down and fails, what will he do? He'll pick himself up, clean himself. That's who you are. He has changed your identity. So does that mean that you don't fall in filth at all? No. But what it means is that every time you fall, you will get up. The righteous shall fall seven times, but yet they shall get up. Yet you shall get up. Where's the confidence coming from? The confidence is not because I don't know if I'll fall again or not. No, that is not where my confidence is coming from. My confidence is coming from Jesus. I put my eyes on Jesus. Do you know... 
there are times when I'm meditating on the finished work of Jesus, and the devil comes and tells me, Sam, it's okay. Today, yeah. Today is fine, but tomorrow I'll get you. You know what I respond to him? We'll see about tomorrow, tomorrow. But today I stand on the finished work of Christ. Because my confidence is on Jesus right now. Today. Today. So today, if you've heard this message, do not harden your heart. Today, if you've heard this message, open your hearts. Open your hearts to receive the perfect, finished work of Jesus. Amen? Nothing shall take your confidence. In fact, nothing should take your confidence. So if you read Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 5, verse 9, I was supposed to explain it, then I went on a different tangent. But if you read that, it says, we have been justified by faith. And he says, we have been justified by his blood. So what are we justified? Are we justified by faith or are we justified by his blood? We are justified by putting your faith in the blood. When you put your faith in the blood of Jesus, you are justified. You, are, you have been declared. You're free. God says, I don't, I don't see you as guilty. You're set free. You're, con you're not condemned. You're no longer condemned. You're set free. You're free. You are as perfect as Jesus is perfect. Is Jesus perfect? Then that's how God sees you. That's how God sees you. I want to tell you, this blood of Jesus is so powerful because it's the blood that Jesus used to start his new covenant, right? I told you about covenant. It begins with the blood, shedding of the blood. This blood will act as your security. It's not your works. It's not your willpower or determination that acts as the security whether I will fall or not in my relationship with God. It is the blood of Jesus that acts as a security of your salvation. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. So every time you have fallen down, every time you feel low, every time you feel like you're the worst sinner, ask yourself, is the blood of Jesus greater than the sin that you have committed? Is the blood of Jesus greater than the sin that you have committed? If you're still loathing in that sin, that means you still don't believe that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than this sin. How precious is the blood of Jesus? How precious? How much, how much can you evaluate in monetary terms? How precious is it? It's priceless. It's priceless. What sin can you do to get out of this relationship with God that the blood has secured? What sin can you do? Think about it. What sin can you do to get you out of this covenant that the blood of Jesus has secured this covenant? Nothing. Nothing. Now, I'm not saying that you go back into sinning. That's what I'm trying to say. But what I'm trying to say is you have been saved from sin. You have been saved from the devil. You have also been saved from yourself. God has saved you. God has saved you. You've been brought into the kingdom. So there's nothing that you can do to get out of it. 
That's why the Bible talks about being slaves of righteousness. You were slaves of sin, now you're slaves of righteousness. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, once you accept Jesus, you're saved. You can't get out. I don't know if somebody told you, but yeah, I'm just telling you. You just can't. You're, you're saved, you know. You're saved. What you can do is you can, you can get out over here in your emotions and in your mind. In your thoughts, you can distract yourself from this reality. But the good news is you'll always be there. It's like going to, give me a cold place, going to Switzerland. Going to Switzerland and meditating about the heat of Delhi. Meaning you can, you can drift your thoughts and emotions to the heat of Delhi when you are stuck in a room which is cold in Switzerland, but doesn't change your reality. So you and me can still think about sin, can still think about all of these issues, but doesn't change our reality. The blood has secured it. You have been transported once and for all. Once and for all. That's why the devil cannot steal your salvation. The worst that he can do is he can steal the joy of your salvation. He can distract your emotions, that's it. But every time your emotions are distracted, it's like a rubber band. Have you seen a rubber band? You can stretch the rubber band. You can stretch it, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. Then after a while, it has been stretched long enough, what happens? It comes back to its original position. The devil can distract you by stretching you in a different direction. But the moment, this is one moment he lets go, you are back into this reality. That's your reality, my friends. But a lot of us, we are worried, you know, oh man, I didn't pray for five days. I, I was totally distracted. Now do I start from scratch? No, you don't start from scratch. Because... When Jesus released you, he released you on his finished and perfect work. There's nothing more that you can add onto it. You can do more on top of it. You are brought back in that reality. So is it true that the devil might distract you here and there? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm saying any, any millisecond that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your mind and your emotion, he brings you back. He brings you back. He's like, what are you doing? You are the beloved. You are accepted. You are righteous. You have been affirmed. You are accepted in the beloved. You have been redeemed from the power of sin. Amen? So, whenever you fall down, instead of loathing and doing self-pity, think of it like the rubber band illustration. The devil took you far, but you're back now. You're back now. You're back now. You're restored. You're always restored. You have been taken from separation into no separation. No separation has become your reality. Separation is a lie. Stay with me. Separation is a lie. Separation is a lie. There's nothing that can separate you from God. 
Romans 8, 37, 39 says, There's no power in heaven, no nothing in hell that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And once I asked myself, Lord, how, how, is, how is it possible that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And God said, because you are not holding on to me, I am holding on to you. Do, do you see the power there? See, if I'm God, okay, for this moment, so hold on to me. See, if we walk like this, there's always this, there's always this insecurity that you might, you might let go. So let go. Bhai, itna dramatic you kar let go. Okay? See, see. So if you, if you walk like this with God, okay, there's always this chance that you might let go. And that's our fear. But the truth is in the new covenant, God is holding your hands. In the, the truth is that God has embraced you once and for all. So what God has embraced you, you, you cannot undo. There is no separation because God is the one who is embracing you. This is your reality. Separation is a lie. Now what you can do is you can turn your face away from him. See, I'm looking at him. That's, that's the most that you can do. That you can turn your face away from God. But every time you turn your face back, you will always feel that instant intimacy that you've always felt. Why? Because separation is a lie. Thank you. Are you getting this? Separation is a lie. God has not distanced himself from you. He cannot. Say with me, he cannot. Because Jesus has perfectly, has perfectly finished it on the cross. No condemnation, no separation. You are sandwiched between no condemnation, no separation. Sandwiched. That's your reality. God does not condemn you. God is not the accuser. Do you know that? Who is the accuser? The devil is the accuser. He's the one who brings accusations against you. Oh, you are this. You are useless. You're a sinner. Look at what you've done. Look at all the issues you have. What you need to do is, you need to take the finished work of Jesus and tell him, yes, all, of, all what you're saying is true, but it has been dealt on the cross. Jesus has paid on my behalf. Amen? Amen? Jesus paid on my behalf. Now, I want to show you another side of it. Just imagine somebody hurt you. Or somebody has a huge debt to pay and they run off. You know, financial scams happen all the time. I had, when, when the Lord told me to get out from my job into ministry, my previous boss didn't pay for like, I think, four months of salary. He didn't pay. He didn't pay the four months of salary. And it was like in my mind, you know. You know, when somebody takes that 20 rupees, you're always thinking about that 20 rupees. You might, you might be having 1,000 rupees, but you're still thinking about that 20 rupees. So I'm like constantly thinking about this. He's not giving me my four months of salary. Now God has called me for ministry, oh Lord. And I heard Jesus say, put it on my tab. When you put it on Jesus' tabs, be assured that you will get more 
than what the other person owes you. And, and it's for emotional stuff as well. Oh, that person hurt me. He keeps hurting me. Jesus says, put it on my tab. It's finished. What he owes you, I'll pay for it. Telling you something very powerful so that you can live a free life. Anybody who has hurt you and you think there's no way that you can reconcile with them, take it to Jesus and you will hear Jesus say, put it on my tab. I will restore. What they have taken, I will restore. If the devil has taken, Jesus will restore. If people have taken, Jesus will restore. And when Jesus restores, he gives you much more. Much more. That's why if you read Romans chapter 5, four times it says much more. Much more. If Adam, because of Adam, you are crying and you are going through sickness, much more will we receive in Jesus. If because of Adam, your life has become such a hell, much more will Jesus do this. He will save you by his life. Much more, the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. Much more. Say with me, much more. Okay? So whatever people have done to you, much more Jesus will do for you. Much more. Put it on his tap. Let go. Don't live a life that, that holds you down like a slave. Nothing. No emotional hurt. I speak right now in the name of Jesus that no emotional hurt will hold you down. I speak the forgiveness of Jesus right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, put it on my tap. What the other person has hurt you, I will release it because my work is finished and it's done. Amen? Amen. Yeah. God has blessed us so much that I don't have to think about that four months of salary. I'm telling you, like, over the years, so many people have taken money and have not returned. But what I hear the Lord say is, Put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. So next time, when somebody takes money and does not return back, you know what you should do? Count it all joy. Count it all. All joy. When somebody has hurt you, and they're not saying, apologizing, they're not, they're not being sorry at all, count it all joy. James chapter 1 verse 2, count it all joy, my friends, when you go through trials and sufferings. Why? Why? Because, you know why you should count it all joy? Because when the restoration happened, it happened seven times. If the steel stole something from you and God has to restore, God will restore it seven times. So when you count it all joy, every time you're hurt, you count it all joy. Say, Jesus, I put this on my tab seven times. Seven times. If it is relationships, then seven times. You know, you, you only need one wife, but I'm saying quality, seven times. You know, Job was restored double portion, but he only got one wife. Okay? It was the same wife. So please don't leave your wife and put it on the tab of Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, same wife. But believe God for restoration. When somebody has hurt you, somebody is causing pain, take it to Jesus. 
You don't have to suppress it. Take it to Jesus. And Jesus will bring restoration. You know, when we were worshiping today, I saw something. Oh, man. I saw something and I knew the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. He said, the old relationships in your life that you have lost faith and confidence and the Lord brought in new relationships and you were, you kind of forget about these old relationships because, you know, you've lost faith in that relationship. They are, they're never going to change, you know. And this new relationship is where your heart is. Today I heard the Holy Spirit say, the Lord is restoring the old ones too. He's redeeming that. So if you lost faith in the old people, God is going to renew that. He's going to renew that. It could be your parents. It could be, I don't know, old friends. Old friends whom, whom you lost faith in and you, you began new friends because of <laughs> because how pathetic the old friends were. But God is going to restore that. He's going to redeem that. Amen? So put it on the tab of Jesus. Any, any loss that you go through, put it on Jesus' tab and count it all joy. Start rejoicing. Why? It's either double portion or seven times. Why? Jesus does not just balance the books. He gives much more. Much more. Much more. Much more. I want to say much more. Much more. Amen? Yeah, I stressed it enough. Good? Finished work of Jesus. Amen? It's finished. It's done. It is finished. It's done. Live in absolute confidence that God has finished it. Now, here's the thing. If you have caused hurt to somebody, ask Jesus. He will pay your debt on your behalf. Okay? Now, I'm not saying if there's a possibility that you can talk to these people whom you have hurt, if you can apologize to them, great. But whatever they have lost because of you, God will restore them. Amen? I'm reminded of this, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. God so loved the world. God did not pity the world. God so loved the world. He loved you and me. He did not just love good people. He did not just love people who are somehow making it to church. He loved you and me as, as we are. We're not perfect. But He still loved us. And then He says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. The greatest blessing that God has given us is His Son. More than your promotion, more than your healing, more than the restoration in your family, what God has blessed you is His Son. And that came from a place because He loved you. He loved you. He loved you. And Jesus, who is our gift, He took our sins, our sickness, our debt upon Himself. 
so that we could become the righteousness of God. So that we could become one with Him. So that we can live a life of freedom. Amen. A life of freedom is your portion. A life of freedom is your portion. I want to give this time to somebody who is, to whoever, somebody, anybody, whoever is struggling with sin, with shame, with guilt, with fear, with condemnation. I want to tell you that Jesus has completed his work on the cross. It is perfect. It is finished. All that it requires is for you to receive it. Just receive it. Just receive it by faith. Just receive it by faith. Jesus has done it all. He has taken your shame. He has taken your guilt. He has taken your fear. If this is who you are, you're struggling and you feel like a bondage to these emotions. You feel like a bondage to these thoughts. Come on, just declare it with your mouth. Jesus, I give you. Jesus, I give you. What do you give? You give him your fear. You give him your sins. You give him your shame. You give him your guilt. You give him your condemnation. Just give it to Jesus. Just lay it at the cross. Just offer, offer it at the cross. Come on. Come on. Uh, I see, I see a renewal happening. Just lay it at the cross. Just lay it at the cross. Every evil, sinful, wicked, shameful thing that you leave at the cross. You're not just being free from the thing that you left, but God is restoring you completely. Every space that that shame took in your life, God is restoring it with joy and peace right now. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. Don't be ashamed, my friends. Don't be ashamed because Jesus died on that cross, stripped naked. He took your shame. So don't be ashamed. Be bold. Be confident in the love of Jesus. Be confident in the love of the Father. The blood tells you. The blood is speaking a better word than the word of Abel. The blood of Abel was condemning and was bringing accusation. The blood of Jesus speaks better words. Speaks words of affirmation. Speaks words of acceptance. Right now I can see, I can see, I can see that the Holy Spirit is restoring your relationship with Jesus. Renewing your relationship. It's a new day today. A new day, a new life. A new chapter. Just say, Jesus, I receive you. 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 The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is my security. 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 The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Yes, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, yes, is my security. just stay in the presence of God Jesus redeemed you so that you can have a face to face relationship with the Father face to face relationship 
even moses could not have that but you and me can have face to face relationship with the father i'm telling you the father is so close to you he is more closer than the clothes that you're wearing he is right there with you right now and he wants to speak to you will you just open your ears will you just open your mouth and just respond to him saying father i want to hear you like samuel said yes god speak to me i want to hear you open your mouth open your mouth and start responding to him yes radhe riye ra radhe riya radhe riye ore re 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 i see new wine ready re new wine ready re let it flow from the depths of your being let it flow out of the belly shall flow streams of living waters out of the belly come on come on come on let it flow let a voice let a sound rise up let a sound rise up let a sound rise up bro le 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 ye holy ye ye about what people think be unashamed go for it go for it go for it speak to your father speak to your father open your heart speak to your father let it go let it go release it release it release your faith today release your words of affirmation release your words of adoration let intimacy flow out flow out flow out flow out yes
somebody today. Speak to somebody today because shame holds power until you speak. The moment you speak it out, shame has no power. Shame has no power. So if you think you, you can't share this with anybody right now, I'm just saying, just speak it out of your mouth right now. Let your heavenly father hear it. But speak it out. Open your mouth and just speak it out. If you want to speak it out softly so that somebody else will hear it, that's okay. But speak it out. Let those words come out. I completely reject this shame. Say this with me. I completely reject this shame. I am free. I have been made perfect. I have been purified by the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus is my qualification today. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Dear son, dear daughter, as a shepherd of this house, I speak that your sins are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. No longer be condemned, no longer be ashamed because Jesus has dealt that on the cross. Amen. Amen. May God bless you. We're going to do offering right now. So even as we prepare ourselves for offering, just smile at one another and say, it is finished, it is done. It is finished, it is done. Again, I, I said a very important thing. You should smile. So smile. Smile at somebody. Just move from your place. Find somebody whom, whom you haven't said that. Move from your place. You know, shake their hands and say, it is finished. It is done. Your life is not going to be the same. 
Your life is new. It's a new day, new chapter, a new moment. Come on, come on. Get up, get up from your place, guys. I'm giving you the permission. Move from your places. Move from your places. The last ones can come front and the front ones can go back. Just find somebody today and say, it's a new day. It is finished. It is done. It is finished. It is done.